Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're providing an overview of the fourth of the acquisition time zones, the selection zone. And this episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Check out skywayacq.com for more. All right, let's get started. The point of the government acquisition system and everything we talk about here on the podcast pretty much every week is to actually award a contract so that we can either buy a good or service or or deliver a good or service to support the mission. It's not just a process for the sake of process, despite the fact that I'm sure sometimes it feels like that. But at some point, <laughs> the buyer has to pick someone to do the work or deliver the goods. As a contracting officer, the, the selection was the end of a long journey. Sometimes it was short, but a lot of times it was long, starting all the way back when you documented the requirement and you've worked all the way through the process. It's a long journey for industry too, right? It, it, it's, it takes just as long. Well, it seems just as long. Yeah, yeah it, may, it may even seem longer. <laughs> you don't know what's <laughs> happening all the time. But regardless, the, the last of the acquisition time zones is the selection zone. It's, it's, it's decision time. We talked about the six elements of an acquisition in the GovCon Cube episode. And one of the six elements is the who, is the who, who's going to do the work, right? Well, this zone is when the government decides or, or reveals, which we'll talk about that in a minute, on the who is going to actually do this work. Before we get into the who, not the band, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Susan Ahn. Susan is the CEO of SoCat. SoCat specializes in artificial intelligence and machine learning technology. He's in uh, Woodstock, Maryland, which is outside of Baltimore. I want to thank Susan for being an active podcast listener and for reaching out to get our help with her contracts. In the discussion we had, she shared how she found our podcast, what makes it valuable to her, and why she keeps listening. The feedback we get from listeners like Susan is critical to make sure we get better each week. Thanks, Susan. Today, we're talking about the selection zone, the fourth of the acquisition time zones. To recap, those four zones are the requirement zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone, and the selection zone. We have separate podcasts on each of the zones. Today, we're focusing on selection. To give you some more framework, the requirement zone is the what. What are we going to buy? The market research zone is when the government decides on how. How are they going to buy it? The RFP zone, which was the, the one before this one, that solidifies the how, exposes it to fresh air, and, and starts the process to get to who we're going to award to. Now we're in the selection zone where we're going to reveal the who. So this process results in a company or a group of companies, depending on the acquisition strategy, being selected. Yeah, the selection zone, it, it's really a result of what happens in the preceding three zones. When you get here to the selection zone, the structure and the process are, are fixed. They're, they're pretty much locked in stone. Somebody has already won. We just don't know who it is yet. There's not much that industry can do once the selection zone begins to change their chances, the probability of, their, of them winning the award. Yeah, it's a really good observation you made about the idea that, that somebody's already won we just don't know who it is yet. And when you think of it that way, it, it's easy to see how those three zones led up to this and the winner will be revealed. It's like, like a funnel. 
that ends with a selection, right? Well, you can't shape, if you can't change the shape of the funnel, once you drop the whatever, the, the marble in it, it's going to work its way down there. That's how you think of this is that the, the whole process, all four zones are a big funnel. And by the time you get to the bottom of the funnel, you can't go upstream and change the shape and really impact anything. And it's a, it's a, I like how you said that. At the beginning, there's all kinds of uncertainties about who to win, who's going to win, how they're going to win, how the government's going to select them. By the time you get to the end, you're down to, we know exactly what the process is going to be and a winner will come out the other end of the funnel. The selection zone begins when proposals are due. Remember that the RFP zone ended when industry submits their proposals. Now we're in the selection zone. It ends when a contract is awarded. And it, it might include the protest zone if, if protests apply. Yeah, there's not really a protest zone, but we, we right. specifically embedded did, in here. We don't expect that there will be protests, but it could happen that if a protest is submitted, again, separate podcasts about protests for sure. If a protest is submitted, you don't actually get to move on to the execution time zones when you're doing the work until the protest is decided and the final contract has been awarded. During the selection zone, communications between industry and the government are tightly controlled. Not very much communication actually happens at all in most cases. And the communication that does exist, most of it's going to be one way. The government's going to start it and say, I also need this. I need you to clarify this. Like there are very select things that could happen. The previous zones were a lot more two-way, particularly the market research zone. It's designed to be two-way communication. So this the temperature in this in the selection zone is very different because the communication is much more controlled. So what's going on in the selection zone? The request for proposal was released and industry wrote and submitted their proposals. So proposals are in. It's pens down. There's no more time for changes to, to the solicitation. There's no more time for changes to the evaluation criteria or the plan. It's done, and this is where the government is evaluating the proposals they received and making a decision. It's award time. The contracting officer is, is designated normally as the source selection authority, and you can read R15303 talks about that. But this is the time where the government, again, usually this, the contracting officer, is selecting the winner and awarding the contract. Yeah, for big competitions, it's the source selection authority is usually someone higher up the chain and separate than the contracting officer. But for the vast majority of awards, the contracting officer is the one that makes the decision. Regardless of, of which acquisition or part of the FAR you're using. for, So in FAR Part 15, this is the source selection decision. Well, in FAR Part 14, this is opening of a sealed bid. In FAR Part 13, which is simplified acquisition procedures, it's simply making and documenting a decision. And under FAR Part 8, under, under IDIQs, again, you have to document the decision. So... Just because we're using FAR Part 15 references, this, this award time is actually happening regardless of which part of the FAR you used. In the good old days, we actually called this zone the source selection zone, which was a very FAR Part 15 centric. We dropped the source part of that a while back in recognition that you're really just selecting regardless of the procedure that you're using. Yeah, even if you're using a government credit card to buy something for five thousand dollars, the process is still there. You just probably went through it in a, you know an hour. <laughs> it goes really fast. Again, regardless of the procedures, this is decision time. 
And part of decision time is that every decision divides. So as the contracting officer making that decision on who's going to get the award, part of the challenge is that I know there's going to be a winner and a loser, right? It's like I, the metaphor I use for this is, is, a, is an umpire at a, at a baseball game. Regardless of which way he calls somebody safer out, half of the people in the stands are going to yell at him. <laughs> that feeling is what oftentimes will, will make contracting officers take a second time to look at the information, document one more thing, run it past one more person, et cetera. That's why things tend to take longer because every decision divides and you're going to get a consequence. That consequence may be extreme, like a series of protests, or it might just be a very uncomfortable debriefing or anything in between. And what is the government making their decision on? What did they tell you they were going to evaluate up front? Right? That was decided in the market research zone and codified in the RFP zone where, where they're actually releasing the solicitation and you're writing your proposal. It could be as simple as we are going to select the lowest price based on whatever meets our requirements. Or it could be a complicated trade-off process between price and capabilities. In that case, you're usually evaluating technical performance, that either the ability to do to work or the satisfaction of the government's requirements. Past performance of the offers is an important evaluation criteria. Generally, past performance is considered the gold standard for whether a contractor can perform. It's evidence of, yes, you can actually do this. And price is always part of the selection. And sometimes it, it it's really the only thing that, that the selection is based on is the lowest price, especially in the low dollar and simple acquisitions. When you get to the more complex acquisitions, you may be looking at cost or price, but again, different podcasts. In the end, technical performance or abilities, past performance and price are the most common evaluation elements you'll see. Just like when you're buying something for yourself, right? You, you're always looking at at performance, do I trust this company to deliver, and how much does it cost me? We talked about communication a little earlier. When communications are happening or allowed during the selection zone, they're very controlled. The simplest form of communications between the government and the offers in the selection zone are clarifications or communications. And These are sort of low-level things just to make sure we understand what's going on, but not any changes to the information that you've submitted or that the government's evaluating. They tend to be binary, like you're like, yes or no, are there two page 14s? Yes, there are two page 14s, there should be a 15. Okay. That, that, yeah, it just is a yes or no question. That's how I treated them. For communications to get deeper than that, In most cases, it requires the government to declare a competitive range. Out of the offers I've received, who is most likely to receive an award? And I am going to talk to each of them to make sure that I understand their submission before I select one of them. Competitive range determinations are another complicated topic that we have separate podcasts for. For the purposes of the selection zone conversation we're having today, a competitive range determination, selecting a competitive range of offers allows you to go into deeper communications, which are referred to as exchanges, discussions, or even negotiations in, in the FAR, although they, they often aren't thought of as negotiations uh, by, by the government folks. This is a FAR 15 
Like you don't, you, you may or may not go, you won't go in a competitive range in simplified acquisition, but you might go in a competitive range under FAR 13.5. You might go in a competitive range when you're doing a, a multiple award IDIQ, but you won't call it that. And so we want to be careful that like, that I, I think we, we thin this, it's important to talk about this communication piece. And so the difference between clarification, communication, and then negotiations. And, and I like your point of the government doesn't necessarily call it negotiations. It has terms like exchanges, discussions, competitive range terminations, but those are all more two-way communication to refine your proposal. And either way, they're, they're super controlled back and forth. It's not like uh Wild West two-way communication. It's very documented it's, communication. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good clarification. When you get to the end of your exchanges, discussions, negotiations, what, whatever you want to call it, the official back and forth that's tightly controlled, the government may request proposal revisions. Sometimes they have to request propose, proposal revisions, sometimes not. But proposal revisions means you get to rewrite part of your proposal based on what you talked about. And at that point, the government has to evaluate your new submission, not the old submission. And that gets very complicated as well. So don't want to dwell on that other than to say communications are allowed during the selection zone. They're super tightly controlled and you can't just pick up the phone and talk to your government counterparts. And the government can't just pick up the phone and talk to the industry and say, what did you mean here? All goes through the contracting officer. All right, we've said about 100 times already, that's complicated and it's on another podcast. What are we talking about here? Why is the selection zone? Why are we talking about the selection zone? Somebody has to win and lose, right? Somebody has to lose. Yeah, exactly. What do they call it? An unsuccessful offer is the the, the softened term that the FAR uses. The point of this process is to deliver a product or service. I mean, this is where that decision is made on who is going to do that. This is an inflection point between the acquisition and the execution time zones. And we talked about this is the bottom of the funnel, right? So this is a very critical time where we transition from figuring out how we're going to get it to actually getting it. So it's a very exciting moment (laughs) or disheartening (laughs) moment, depending on who you are in the puzzle. Again, the selection zone is that, that last of the four acquisition time zones. When you award the contract, you move on to the execution time zones. If you want to learn about the rest of the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three. And then have detailed episodes for each of them beyond that. Episode three is an overview episode. Let's focus this on the government side, Kevin. It's explanation time. I mean, you, you got to be ready to explain the decision, document the decision. Uh, what I found that worked for me is explain it once. And like I said, every decision divides. So sometimes maybe I'm over explaining it, but I'm going to explain it well. And my fear is based on if I don't have time to do it right the first time, then I end up making time to do it a second time. Right. So documenting it, the overall strategy so that it sticks, right? Regardless of the acquisition process, this is explanation time. And it makes a big difference, the amount of detail you put into that. Yeah. When you said strategy there, you meant document the decision. The strategy was documented long before. The execution of the strategy that you already documented. Yeah, right. All that? (laughs) Does that make sense? Remember at this point, government folks, you can only evaluate the proposals based on what you said in the RFP. FAR 15305 says solely on the factors and sub-factors specified in the solicitation. And that's FAR 15E kind of language there, but 
it, it applies to all the parts. You have to select based on how you said you were going to select. You can't change your mind later and say, well, I really like this. I didn't think of it ahead of time and didn't tell any of the other offers about it, but this is what I'm going to pick. For industry folks, the selection zone is a frustrating time. You've just worked your butts off writing proposals and getting them in on time, and now it's in the black hole, black box, whatever you want to call it. It's disappeared. After you catch up on a little sleep, you're just sitting back waiting for the decision to be made, and it's very difficult in most cases to get any information out of the government about how that process is going or when contract award will happen. If the government doesn't award on the day they said they were going to award, they may not even announce or tell you what the new award schedule is. And to be fair, they might not know yet. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's true. Three, three times as many proposals as they, as they expected. or you know, yeah. end of- And that's why we always say government folks, if that, if that award schedule changes, please put out a notice saying, hey, we will probably not award this month. It'll be next month because it affects industry in a million different ways. It's important for industry folks to understand what can happen and what can't happen in the selection zone. In the selection zone, the government, they can ask for clarifications, as we talked about. They could ask for revisions to your proposal, although don't count on it. And they do make lots of judgment calls on the evaluation criteria that were laid out. Yeah. And industry folks, you can't just provide unsolicited updates or clarifications or revisions. You only get to talk to the government about your proposal if they ask. Yeah, that's the one-way communication. The government cannot, is the other side of it, they can't go back and change the evaluation criteria or, or the type of competition. I talked about this before. The structure that was written, documented, in the previous zones, this is not a time to change it. Yeah, in industry, you can't rely on the government falling so in love with your solution and proposal that they put aside all those rules that, that, that they laid out and award to you. If you don't meet the requirements of the solicitation, they can't award to you, even if they really like what yeah. you proposed. Yeah, that, that's that's an awkward scenario. <laughs> we'll talk about some other time. It, is it, in, in this zone, the government does not want to go backwards. In, in general, I want to finish the award, especially if it's expiring money or if there's, there's an urgent need for, for what we're buying. But think about it. You've gone through this whole process. You're at the bottom of the funnel with the one-yard line. Let's award a contract. Yeah. Industry folks, don't forget, when you submit your proposal, you have to expect that that was your last opportunity to realistically impact the government selection decision. Once you submit it, it's in their hands to evaluate based on the criteria that they laid out. And there's not much, if anything, you can do to change that once the proposals are being evaluated. Unless they ask you to. Unless they ask you to, yep. Proposal revision conversation. These examples and the application of this is, is a big part of the training that we do on these time zones. Yeah. Once you understand what's going on and what's not allowed to happen, <laughs> for example, in each of these zones, you're in a better position to effectively thrive within them and actually win. That's why I love training on this stuff. Is there's so many variables in each individual acquisition. One thing that's not variable is our time limit for doing these podcasts. Let's wrap this up, Kevin. <laughs> On the government side, what to do is document with with a capital D. (laughs) During the selection zone is follow the path you laid out in the market research zone and the RFP zones and document the decision. One of the things that I I learned later in my career is eliminate the unsuccessful offers, which is code for the losers, early. 
let them know early. If they're not going to make the competitive range, let them know, get them out, communicate. Because if, if, if you drag them through, you're not only creating more work for, for you because you can evaluate more stuff, but you're creating more work for them. And if they don't have a realistic chance to win, have the fight now. Have the fight about, I should win. Well, you're not going to. Yeah, yeah. I would argue before proposals are even submitted, if you, if you really are sophisticated at this, you're able to communicate to offers before they submit their proposals even whether or not it's worth them submitting a proposal. They should understand whether they have a realistic chance to win before they submit their proposals. And if you really do that right, you'll get fewer proposals, have to evaluate fewer proposals, and have fewer arguments afterwards when you select a winner. That's a great point. You're right. We talk about this a lot. The further up three and they know if they have a chance to win or not, the better off it is. Well, think about it. If if you've been thinking all along that you have a good chance to win and you get dragged all the way to the bottom of the funnel and then we're like, yeah, sorry. No wonder you're mad. <laughs> debriefing. You've invested all this time in it. So, you know, when you, when you think of the value of communication, it's throughout all four time zones. Industry folks, I think you can hear from this, this episode, if not the other time zone episodes, how important it is to understand what is allowed and not allowed and what's going on in each of the zones. Your probability of winning is a direct result of what you've done in the preceding time zones, not in the selection zone. By the time we get to the selection zones, what you've done and what you ignored in the earlier zones can rarely be fixed. It's, it's too late at this point. That's what we said towards the beginning of the podcast, that the selection zone reveals the winner. All the factors that that lead to that selection being made were already spelled out in the preceding zones. And with that, Kevin, I will talk to you later. See you, Paul. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. When you need help understanding what's allowed and what's not allowed in each of the acquisition time zones, Come build your relationship with our team of contracting officers at Skyway Acquisition. Go to skywayacq.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. that middle bullet mean i don't know <laughs> what's something you knew i'm like this seems that yeah it, we made the point i think it's better to move on to the communication <laughs> it's like am i blacking out here i don't remember what, what <laughs> we were we, both we, staring at it like uh, you, yeah. do you know what to say here no i don't know what to say exactly do you know what, what to say? <laughs> yeah, that was good okay yeah. let's delete it and move on